Welcome to another special bonus Save Our Skills episode of the KBB Review Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Davis. And it's a very particular one to round off this run of Save Our Skills specials as we're looking into the mind of the person who ultimately has to say on recruitment and is responsible for building the complete team. And that's the boss. What does the boss think? What are they looking for? And how do they put that team together? I'll be chatting to someone who is not only a prominent KBB boss, but is also a big supporter of Save Our Skills. And that's Stephen Johnson from KUKA. A quick reminder that the Save Our Skills campaign is all about keeping the skills, knowledge and experience of those being made redundant thanks to the economic impact of the virus inside the KBB industry. We send out a regular Save Our Skills email to the whole industry showcasing candidates who have found themselves looking for new roles. We've had fantastic success with it. In fact, two-thirds of those who have been featured now have new jobs. So if you or anyone you know wants to be on it, then go to kbbreview.com forward slash Save Our Skills to find out more. And it's totally free, no strings attached, just KBB Review doing its bit to support the industry. So when it comes to recruitment, the ultimate decision maker in any company is the boss. The book stops with them, whether they are deciding on individual roles or setting the strategy that influences who gets hired across the board. So let's figuratively, of course, climb inside the head of a very prominent KBB sector boss in the shape of Stephen Johnson, the Managing Director of KUKA here in the UK. Stephen, are you there? I am. Good morning. Hello to you, sir. Thank you for sparing us a little bit of time today. Yeah, nice to be with you again. I think the last time was, um, might be March, was it? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's when we were all feeling very sorry for ourselves back then, weren't we? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let me start by saying, actually, that you and Kuka have very generously supported our KBB Review Save Our Skills campaign since the beginning. So let me very publicly thank you directly for that. Yeah, we're, listen, we're in a very fortunate position that we can. And I think credit to you guys, because I think the initiative was... One of the first that was conceived, I think it was actually the first, I think I saw a post from you. So I think it's a really, really great idea. And we're really privileged and proud to be able to sponsor it. Well, yes, thank you. I mean, between us, we've helped directly find lots of people, brand new positions, which is great, obviously. Uh, But also, and it's the bit that I hadn't really anticipated when we started, we've helped a lot of people feel that the industry hadn't abandoned them at a, you know a really difficult time and that's the bit that surprised me so you know, you've played a part in that as well so thank you for your support let's get to business here today we're going to talk about what the boss thinks as i said you're the boss of the company ultimately you're the one that sets the agenda sets the strategy and you're the one ultimately responsible for making that plan happen when it comes to getting the right people on board so Let's start with building a team. When you're looking for new people for your company, how much are you considering how they will fit into an existing team of people? Or are you happy with lone wolves as long as they just get the job done? I think it is a a very, very difficult situation. If we're looking to recruit somebody, I have to be sure that they will fit into our working environment and... There also has to be a consideration that they fit into the team. But I equally, and I'm a really firm believer that you need diversity in your business. So whilst the team has to work as a team, I think it's really important that you get diverse skill sets into that team as well. So a mixture of both for me. I think a lot of job adverts in particular will say things like, 
we want people who are team players but can also work well on their own, right? Which basically covers the entire population of the earth. What traits are you particularly looking for in new candidates? What you as the boss, you've got to fit that team together. What traits are you looking for? I am looking for individuals that have a positive attitude and a work ethic. So the two most important assets I would look for in an individual are work ethic and attitude. Right, and you would choose those things over experience? Absolutely every single day of the week. Because that's interesting, isn't it? Because I think a lot of people, particularly at a time when they're, they're, they're applying for lots of jobs or they've been in, a, in one role for a very long time, they might feel very restricted by their CV, if you like. But what you're saying here is, no, you would choose attitude and personality over the written CV every single time. Yeah, for me, listen, if I, I would hope to receive a, a CV that had attitude and skills combined. That would be Nirvana. The reality of it is, unfortunately, that everybody is different and every CV is different. But I think... Having a good attitude is more important than possessing skills for the job because I think, or what we certainly do at KUKA, is we teach the skills in training, both on the job and in an induction. Attitude, on the other hand, I think has to be learned and it takes time for you to become, to have the attitude. So I feel that you, you can train skills but I don't think you can train attitude. Right, so given all that, you know, the first contact you might have with people is that CV or the application. So what jumps out of you? What do you see that makes you think, yes, attitude is spot on? I'm so disappointed with CVs in this day and age. I think you've got the opportunity now with video conferencing, um, technology. I get CVs on paper and... Yeah, what what makes one CV different from the other is some individual skill set to write. But I, I'm looking in this day and age, but I want something different. I, I had the other day somebody sent me a, a video CV, and that really, really stood out. Not for any other reason than it was different. It was different. And what I look for is that different attitude, that different approach. Make yourself stand out make the CV simple and interesting for the individual that's going to read it. I think really important advice at the moment is every single job has hundreds and hundreds of applicants. And we as managers in businesses are really, really busy. The CV must immediately stand out. That is a very hard thing to get across. I think for, particularly for people who haven't had to apply for a job in a very long time, which is what we've been seeing a lot with some of these redundancies. I think it's very easy, and we've, we've talked about this on previous episodes, it's very easy to kind of slip into generic corporate language. I am a real team player. I'm a go-getter. I'm passionate about the industry. And all these things that don't really mean anything if you're reading a big, long pile of CVs. Listen, I think some of it might be factually correct, but if I get a CV from an individual that says he's done this, he's done that, yet you would expect an individual to be writing to you to have a certain amount of skill set. What I would like to see in a CV or an approach from an individual is make it bespoke to the business you're approaching. Do research, understand who you're speaking to, 
I get lots and lots and lots of calls from people about jobs, about opportunities. And I have to say, a lot of the time, there's never any research done at all about my business. If you're looking for a job, take your time to find out about the company. And then you can present to them the reason why you will be right for them. Yeah, I think that is one of the downfalls of technology is that it allows people to just click apply. Vacancies can get hundreds of replies simply because people just go up, click apply and they've clicked 100 applies that day and they feel they've applied for 100 jobs. Yeah, but to me, you can make an application for a job and I could sit here now, create a CV and I could send off a thousand CVs today. Whenever I speak to people, I encourage them to look at single opportunities exhaustively. If I'm looking for a job that I'm hoping to spend my next 5, 10, 15 years in, then to do a couple of days research on that company, go and visit them, go and visit some of their customers, go and understand the company you're approaching will put you in a better position when you go to the interview, but it will also help you understand what you are applying for. I mean, that's a consistent message that's come through a lot of these conversations I've had is, you know, and it seems very obvious. But but as we said before, sometimes it takes someone to tell you what the obvious thing is. But it's the simple things as well, because I, I say ring and make sure somebody's got your CV. Ring or email them. Have you got my CV? When are you going to read it? Is there anything I can do? You're selling yourself. So when I'm selling the product, I go through the minutiae of that to ensure I make the sale. When you are in a interview position, you are selling. You are selling yourself. And the interviewer has to buy you at the end of that process. And I think it, in not a lot of cases do we approach it like that. Again, that came out in an earlier episode as well, that people don't use their job skills to sell themselves or to, to apply themselves. They forget what their own experience is and how they should apply it to their own job hunt. Yes. Okay, well, look, you've mentioned interviews there. So let's talk about interviews. When you're conducting the interviews, do you have particular things that you're looking for? I mean, obviously, you're looking, you, know, you go through their CV and their experience, but are you looking for them to... I don't know, do you look at their shoes or how they drink their tea or, you know, what they've done with their hair? I mean, are you looking for things that always set your alarm bells ringing or, or make you think, hang on, this guy's really good? Personal appearance is difficult, isn't it? Because we're all very different. But I think maybe you shouldn't do, but you do gain an impression straight away from that first meet, from the first, I won't say handshake because we're not doing that anymore or at this time, but from that first interaction, you form a view, you form an opinion, and, yeah, I think you have to be smart, presentable and positive. And I, I, I think it's really key, absolutely key. But those first few minutes are where you paint that picture. And again, if you're particularly looking for attitude and personality, you've pretty much made your mind up about that quite quickly. I mean, that's human nature. Yeah, I think it is. I, but I'm also careful to say that not every company is the same and not every MD will be like Stephen from Kuka. but what we've found in our business is we I want personality I want attitude I want work ethic I want desire I want hunger so when somebody comes in to see me I want that if I don't get it then I feel there's something missing and it's such a hard thing to define though isn't it it's a hard thing to advise somebody how to convince you that that is the case well I think 
for me, what I see from that and when I interview people, if they have a positive attitude, if they come across in a, a very happy, motivated, hungry way, that's contagious, it's infectious, uh, and we like that. And I think that helps bring down a lot of barriers. This might be difficult, but can you give an, an example? Don't name names, obviously, but give us an example of someone who's come in and, and done that for you. What exactly did they do? My team at Cooper is, you know, I, 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 we build a team I want, and, and we are fortunate to have a young, hungry, passionate team. But that is what we, we are. And in our business, that is what we deal with. We deal in positive commodities, positive people. We have a positive approach to work and that rubs off on every single team team member in the business so i'm really fortunate that i don't have people that aren't positive so i don't have the opposite of that and we wouldn't have that and i think what's underestimated usually by the boss themselves is how much the attitude of the boss creates the attitude of the team you are by nature a very positive forward-looking bloke and therefore the team around you tends to sort of mirror that attitude. Have to be. i would not have it any other way absolutely if they come in with not a smile on their face we will have them smiling i want a happy workplace people come to work yeah principally to earn money but however what i've seen in my business if they earn money if they can be happy if they are well rewarded if they have the ability to grow in a business and present their own ideas and face their own challenges it works it's it's strong it works it's it's incredible it's incredible and it's it's key for me in that situation that we employ the right people uh, and finding those people is is challenging do you have a go-to deliberately awkward question that you ask people so for example in our last episode it was if you could be a biscuit what kind of biscuit would you be do you have a, a, an interview question that you always go to just to catch them out I don't try and catch them out because I think it's quite easy to do that. What I like to understand from them and the question that I always ask is I get them to take me through a working day from seven in the morning to whenever it might be in the evening by hour, exactly what they do, how they've done it. And I find that really, really productive and it gets them to talk about a day in the life of them in their business as it is at the moment. And I find that is a, a really good interview question. Especially at the moment, because of course I'm doing what most people listening to this are doing now, which is going through my typical day in my head. <laughs> and of course I've got get up, make tea, you know. <laughs> but it's really interesting. If, if I ask you to talk about your working day or if I have to talk about my working day, I, I actually, at the end of every day, will reflect on my day and see what I've done, see how I've done it. Could I have done something better? Could I have done something differently? Yesterday, I had a series of reviews with staff. And at the end of the day, I'll take time to reflect on that, self-evaluate and think, you know, did I do that well? How did the individual feel that I was reviewing? Did we end up with a positive outcome? Because I think by doing that, you will always improve, always improve. Yeah, I'm just thinking how many cups of tea I have. <laughs> I'm just thinking how much of my day is spent going down the step from the loft, putting the kettle on, making tea and coming back up the steps to the loft again. What an existence. Let's spread this out a little bit. As I say, you are the boss. 
There's been a lot of redundancies in this industry, but not perhaps as many as we might have thought of right in the heart of the first lockdown because of the, the pent-up demand that's, that's come through. What's your personal view on cutting back on staff at times like this? No one wants to do it, of course, but it's a, it's a really easy way of cutting costs very quickly. What do you think of it as a strategy? It is a very, very difficult situation and question because you could actually be forced into a position where you have to get rid of people because it is the only option for immediately saving money. So in any business, the quickest cost to eliminate and be rid of is is human beings because it's quite straightforward. For me as a business, that would actually be my last resort. The staff that we employ are the most important asset in this business and it's taken us 15 years to build that team. And as a company, even if we were to be having, if we were losing money, I would resist removing staff from my business as an absolute last resort. Yeah, I think furlough was an interesting phenomenon, wasn't it? Because you create this kind of limbo where companies want to take advantage of of financial help, so they keep people on furlough, but then they have this pent-up demand coming through that meant that perhaps their customers weren't being served as well as they needed to be because they they couldn't get hold of anyone. Yes, it's really difficult. And I don't think, you know, we certainly, when I re-looked at our budgets on March the 23rd and we plotted the year to the end of 2020, I never, ever envisaged a position at the end of March that we would come back in June and the economy would be on fire and we would be having to deliver double what we normally deliver. So I didn't envisage that. That brings really, really challenging pressures. Not only does it make the business really difficult to run, you've got staff that are on furlough at home, you've got staff under pressure because they've got family members with the virus. It's really, really, really challenging. And the difficulty with furlough, it uh, I think there's, I think it ultimately saved a huge amount of jobs, but I don't think it's a long-term solution because what I've seen is as soon as the furlough ends, the companies get rid of the staff. So I'm not convinced that it's the ideal solution. And I think in some cases, it can encourage people to perhaps stay at home as opposed to go to work. What's your prediction of what happens next then? We've, we're coming out of this new lockdown. We've now got this news, possibly, perhaps, who knows, of a vaccine. So what do you think is going to happen over the next six months or so? I think as, a, as an industry, I think we were quite fortunate, should I say fortunate, with this November lockdown because I think most people's headline sales have been done. So actually, there's, there's not many new kitchens being contracted in November. So I think the lockdown this time came at probably a better time for us as an industry because we're installing, we're not selling. So for me, the risk to headline sales is somewhat removed. Uh, When I look at next year, I think we have, I think we have challenges ahead of us. Where will COVID end? I'm worried about January, February, March with the Christmas break. And although I look at a vaccine, I think that's going to be three or four months off. So the, the tricky period I see ahead of us is the Christmas break and what happens in January and February. Are we going to be able to trade as we are? And is industry going to be open or are we going to have lockdowns 
and challenges. And, and that is a question I can't answer, but I think it's a very, very significant period we're about to head into, along with Brexit, which I'm a bit more relaxed about. Do you think we will see more waves of redundancies in this industry or have we seen the worst of it? I am shocked at the levels of business we are doing at this time, um, which might be an odd thing for me to say. So we as a business, and when I speak to other businesses, are absolutely thriving. I hope for everybody that that shall continue. The, the marginal worry I have is when I see restaurants, theatres, pubs, airlines closed. Those are our customers. So the, the bit I struggle with, if, if all those industries are struggling, how can that not possibly have an effect? It has to have an effect. Quite when it does and how it does, I, I, I honestly can't answer that question, but I do live in fear of that, yes. There's going to be a pendulum swing, so I think we have to make hay while the sun shines. It's going to be a very, very tricky start to the year and one that needs very careful consideration and planning. And I think that's absolutely true, and I think what we can conclude here is that none of us know what the bloody hell is going to happen, do we? No, but I have to say, remain positive and everything will be fine because there is always a solution. Always. Well, look, Stephen, a very positive point of view, as always, from you. Thank you so much for all your help with the Save Our Skills campaign. Thank you for some real insight here today. Uh, and we'll catch up again soon to see who's right, me or you. Lovely. Yeah. <laughs> you take care. Cheers, Stephen. Huge thanks to Stephen for being so candid and insightful and for supporting Save Our Skills so much. As I said, this is the last bonus Save Our Skills episode in this run, but we'll be back with more in the new year. Don't forget you can check out our latest candidates at kbbreview.com forward slash Save Our Skills, and you can also find out there how to get yourself featured. See you next time.